0: Welcome to an all-new edition of Talking Foosball, the Auschwitz Edition, your source for all things Zweite Bundesliga and Lower League Football. My name is Nick Wiltang, and boy, do we have a show for you today. There is loads and loads to talk about from the Zweite Bundesliga, St. Pauli are still top, Elversburg and De Wiesbaden are shaking up the league, and Eintracht Braunschweig are suddenly back in spectacular fashion. Joining me to discuss all that and a little bit of Lower League news is none other than Mike Krickemeyer. How are you doing there, table
1: topper? Uh, Of course, I'm doing fine, Nick, and I'm really looking forward for this episode, although we don't have Jasmine on board, unfortunately.
0: She couldn't make it due to unfortunate circumstances, and well, all that is to say, this one might be a little bit shorter. We'll miss you, Jasmine, and I think our listeners will too. But me and Mike, will try our darndest to make this an entertaining episode, so we'll dive straight into the Bundesliga 2, just after the break. Right, here we go, Mike. As we mentioned at the start of the show, some party are still topping the table. Hooray. Hooray! But... Nil-nil against Hanover at the Milan tour. What happened?
1: Yeah, well, if you look at the other results, it's not that often that you uh, are the winner of match day with a nil-nil because all the other teams at the top they, in best case, made a draw, and some of them, like our beloved rivals from the same city, they even lost. So, yeah, in that game versus Hanover. I think we were the better team, the more active team definitely, but we failed to score and it was also, to me it really looked like chess. So two teams looking at each other, waiting for errors on the other side and if one team made a more active approach it was definitely St. Pauli, but Hanover did it pretty well in defense and we were not able to score and yeah, this ended up in nil-nil. Uh, Maybe we would have scored in the last couple of minutes, but then after about 80 minutes, the game was interrupted. Why? If, if you ask me, I would say due to the police, but <laughs> that they would, of course, say due to the away supporters. There was some trouble in the away end, so I think we can say that. The reason for that is not that clear at the moment, and the police thought that they better step in. And you need to know that in German stadiums, the police are, well, that they are more or less just guests because the stewards should take care of everything happening inside the stadium, at least. But of course, if they see that there is a really, really strong kind of danger, then they are allowed to step in. And this is what happened. And of course, it's not a very good idea to step into a sold out away block, especially when it's totally packed and then jump in with about, uh, I don't know, 12, 15 policemen in, in full armor. And of course, then start to spray some tear gas to everyone around you. So this, of course, Escalated the situation in total and the match was even interrupted by the referee uh, at that stage and then I think it was paused for five or six minutes and then when yeah both teams were on the pitch again, the whole uh, yeah swing uh, was out of the game and it ended with a nil-nil.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, to talk a little bit about the game, I think I commented on X formerly known as Twitter that kind of compiled one shot throughout the entire 90. I think St. had something in the region of 14 to 15 shots. None of them really, you know, asking any probing questions of Ron Robertsilas, though, I would have to say. And, you know, I mean, the, the problem was that they were only capable of producing half chances. And the one chance that they managed to put over the line was from an offside position. Very narrow offside position. But Eliasad, alas, was in an offside position. Anyhow, you mentioned the police going into the way and using tear gas. And, I mean, what were they saying? Why were they forced, in quotation marks, to do so? Because every player on the pitch seemed a little bit befuddled, if I'm being honest.
1: Yeah, well, I think they had better things to do than to look in the away end. But yeah, the official version is that there was a fight going on and that there was a single person laying on the floor, still being kicked. And they were worried that even his life is in danger. And that's the version of the police. And that's the reason why they were forced to step in. The Fanhilfe, so the let's say the Fan Embassy of Hannover, they stated later on that this was a situation that happens from time to time in football, not only away ends, but also home ends. And like always, this was already solved more or less because there are always some people who step in and clarify such situations. And they state that this was the case also in here, that there was no need for the police to step in. And now you have both versions and you just need to decide if you trust the police or the supporters. Hmm.
0: It's a beard scratcher. It's a beard scratcher. I don't know. I might be following Big Brother's party line there. Always wise to do so. Anyways, as you mentioned, Zampaoli, even the winners of the match matchday, as you know, they had a top table side against them, got a point. But then if you go downwards on the table, you've got Hamburg, HSV, they lost. Uh, Kiel, they won against HSV. So that's a bit of an interesting thing there. I mean, there was another top, top uh, match of the match day. But then again, you know, all other teams like, uh, I mean, Dusseldorf, they lost. Kaiserslautern, they lost.
1: Yeah, I just enjoyed the weekend. So after Friday <laughs> evening, it was really good to watch these other games. And maybe especially the the Kiel HSV game, I was following a football match of my son. So when going there, we uh, followed the game on the radio and Kiel were up 2-0. And then Robert Glatzel scored twice in just nine minutes. Uh, The second goal was in the 18th minute. And of course, I thought, okay, 10 minutes to go plus injury time. So maybe it is even possible that they turn the game around in total. And Robert Glatzel scores his third goal, but just Three minutes later, there was a very, very good cooperation of ex-HSV players. So Fita Arp played the ball to Finn Purat and he scored the 3-2 winner for Holstein Kiel. It was even um, another goal later on for the 4-2 end result. But this cooperation of the two ex-HSV players really, really, yeah, caused a very good atmosphere in our car uh, listening to the radio.
0: Don't forget to mention that Lewis Holtby actually got two assists for those
1: girls. For a penalty. (laughs) Yeah,
0: you know, I mean, Louis Holtby, former HSV player too. I mean, they basically were down by their former players.
1: Yeah, and of course, also ex-FC St. Pauli player was involved because Tom Rote, who is on loan from Dortmund, he made the final assist to that 4-2 goal and he played in the youth for St. Pauli. So lots of ex-Hamburg players involved in Kiel in total and... Yeah, I think it was the eleventh game of these two clubs in the zweite liga, and HSV just managed one win out of these eleven games. And as this is kind of north rivalry here between these two clubs, I think it's really embarrassing for them.
0: How deep is that rivalry going though? I mean it's not really hatred like Werde Bremen against HSV or some Pauli against HSV, surely.
1: No. I met a diehard HSV supporter on the weekend and he told me, well, Kiel was always HSV city. So I think he he, he was not at the game, but he said, I really hate these guys in the Kiel and all their parents went to the HSV and now they celebrate a win against us. So yeah, it's kind of funny when you look at that from that perspective. And I think for Kiel, that's, as Lübeck is not in the same league, the game against HSV is their game of the season. And obviously, uh, <laughs> when they play each other 11 times and they only lose once, they do it quite well.
0: <laughs> do so indeed. Not talking about Kiel, then they're, they're up there now. How are their prospects?
1: <sighs> well, we beat them 5-1 at our home game. So I don't really understand how they do it in this good way. But on the other hand, like you said, they are in third place. They do have 23 points out of 13 games. But if you look at the goal difference, so it's 23-21. So I think it will not last until the very end. So I think clubs like us, like HSV and also Hanover and Düsseldorf in the end will perform better than Kiel does.
0: So in the end, when you look at the weekend, you sort of think, well, right, of the top table size, there's actually only one that won, and that was Keel, but they're so far not the one that has impressed you the most out of the entire top five.
1: Yeah, well, on the weekend, of course, but yeah, I, I think in the long run, they will not be in the top three.
0: Right, and talking about getting closer to the top three, you know, there are some surprising developments a little bit behind the top three. I mean, Dusseldorf is in fifth on 21 points, but then there are no less than one, two, three, four, five sides in total with Dusseldorf on 21 points. So, I mean, the gap from Elvisberg in ninth to Zampaoli in first is only six points. And HSV in second obviously has three points down to ninth now. Two of those sides on 21 points are Eldersburg and Wiesbaden. Now, Eldersburg, they won on the weekend against none other than Schalke. 2-1. Maybe slightly fortunate in the sense that, you know, they were looking good after that 2-0 lead. But once Schalke got one back, they were swimming at the back for some stretches. Uh, Wiesbaden, they won 2-1 as well against Kaiserslautern. They even turned a 1-0 deficit into a 2-1 win. Is there any possible chance in hell that either of those two sides is going to play a role that high up the table towards the end of the season?
1: Well, in this league, you never know. And
0: I mean, for Eldersburg, it would be the third consecutive promotion.
1: Yeah, I really can't imagine that. But you need to say... They had a draw on the first match day in Hanover. Then they lost three games in a row, and you were thinking, okay, it was too early for them to get into the second league, and so on. But after that, so from match day five, they had only one loss, and this was last week when they played us. So I've been to Albersburg. It's quite uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: Yeah, do tell, do tell. I want a full report. You know, let's let's talk about getting to Elvisburg. Let's digress ever so slightly from what I was asking originally. How do you get there? How difficult is it to get there? Did you get on your underground plane in Myanmar?
1: The most important thing is Elvisburg does not have a railway station. So you need to go. Uh, well, first of all, it's in the southwest of Germany. So maybe we start with that. So you need to go to Mannheim, Kaiserslautern, Saarbrücken, so that area. And the final destination to get to Elvesburg is St. Ingbert. This is the little village. It's also not very big, but at least it has a railway station and some hotels. And this is where we stayed. Does
0: Elvisburg not have hotels? I think they do have a hotel
1: full stop. But I'm not even sure about that. So I'm not sure. uh, uh, Someone explained to me that they are just a really small village and they don't have a railway station. They don't have even bigger car parking spaces. And this is the reason why they do have a shuttle service from two villages around them. One of them is St. Ingbert and I forget the other one. And so you need to use this shuttle service to get there because you can't even go there with your car if you want to because you won't have the chance or the possibility to park because all the houses around the stadium, it's, I don't know the English word, so you're only allowed to park there if you're living there. So you get a, a certain certificate or whatever. And yeah, so you need to go to Sun Ingbert, park your car over there and then use the shuttle service. And it's about 10, 20 minutes, depending on the traffic to get there. And then they do have a lovely little stadium. They are still, of course, building it or refurbishing it because they got up to this second division far too fast. And it's, uh, well, you, you know, these, these stands that are just built for a year or two, and I think they need to extend the capacity to 15,000 for the next season to get uh, the license to play another year in the second league, and they are working hard on that. Uh, at the moment, the whole away end is on such a, uh, how do you say it, it's not a, a constant uh, stand, they will definitely need to pull it down again and build something new.
0: It's a makeshift solution.
1: Yeah, 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 correct. But the main stand is totally new. It's it's named after their sponsor. So it's Ursa Farm, so some kind of medical company. I also learned a lot about that. So this is a family-driven company and the father is... I think the owner of the company, the son is now the president of the football club. So it's really, really a family business. And maybe, yeah, well, it's this part in Germany where you, where you do have all these companies that are eager to step into football because they do have some money like Hoffenheim with SAP. And maybe Elvisberg is a smaller version of that. But to me, it's a little bit more charming. So they don't have that tradition. (laughs) They don't have a railway station, but they are doing it really, really good. And well, with only 1,500 people, they went to Schalke and they rocked the stadium and they won away. So what else do you want to have?
0: Oh, I mean, that's the spirit. Any sort of impressions on the beer that was served in Elbersberg? Do they serve some sort of charming local brew?
1: Oh, I'm sorry, I did not drink any beer at the football game. Sorry.
0: Uh it's Coca-Cola for you once again, you <laughs> capitalist swine. Any note on the food? You know, were there many vegetarian dishes on the menu at Albsturg, or is it just you know Stadionwurst?
1: I haven't consumed anything, but I can make some uh, pub recommends for Saint Ingbert.
0: Well, there you go. Which pub should you frequent there if you <laughs> if you should find yourself there?
1: If you leave the railway station, there is, I think it was called Mu, so M-U-E, and that's it, right outside of the railway station. And they served a good beer, and, and they had really good music, so I need to say that. What?
0: Yeah, well... Depending uh, on how
1: you look at it, I know.
0: Yes, uh, <laughs> what you define as really good music.
1: Uh, for me, after that win, it was some German Schlager. I really liked it a lot. We were in the mood for bad. Great. Oh. Well.
0: I wouldn't have been, even if I was drunk as hell. But, you know, different strokes for different folks, I suppose. Uh, Anyways, uh, one last topic that we really should dive into, and that's Braunschweig. Braunschweig, they got a new coach.
1: That's correct. And it did not look that promising in the beginning after the interim coach lost two games and they now brought in Daniel Scherning, who was a former Anselberg coach and... Hooray, they played Ostenbrook on the weekend. They were one up, they got the equalizer close to half time through a very stupid penalty caused by the goalkeeper. And Michael Cousins from Bayern Player scored the equalizer with that penalty. And then in the second half, after exactly one hour, he got a yellow red card. And this is a story for itself because he got that card because he was standing in the way of a free kick. Yeah, that's a yellow card if you actively try to block that. But if you look at how it went, to me, okay, he makes a step into that direction, but then he goes back and then that, I don't know which Braunschweig player did that, but he just took the free kick and he hit Cousins directly and... It was a very smart move from that player, but and, and maybe it was a little bit dumb move from Cussons, but it was a really hard decision from my point of view to get that yellow red card. Nevertheless, it was 30 minutes plus extra time or injury time for Braunschweig. They got up to one in the 71st minute, and everything, of course. Yeah, everyone thought, okay, this is a win. We will leave the last place and hand it over to Osnabrück. But then, two minutes before the end, Osnabrück got another penalty, and this was also a really, really strange one because it was a header, and the Brunswick player was uh, hit from the back with his arms wide open (laughs) and he was not able to see the ball it was coming from his back so for me it was another really really hard decision now on the other side of course and this was the equalizer 2-2 and then they announced seven minutes of injury time and after 98 minutes there was the final goal. And this was scored by, you might remember him, Ermin Bicacic, former Hoffenheim players.
0: Yes, I remember. I remember you saying, well, you know, they need more goals. They need more goals. They should bring back Anthony Ujem And Bicacic, what should they do with him? He's not going to score any goals for them. He's a defender.
1: Yeah, but he scored after, I think it was corner. And uh, yeah, he scored in the 98 minute. And then, uh, as I said, injury time was announced with seven minutes the VAR stepped in.
0: Well, that's always good. And
1: the VAR stepped in for five minutes. (laughs) So from seven minutes of extra time, 90 plus eight, they scored a goal, and then another five-minute VAR discussion. And it was, I don't know if there was anything else, but it was announced that this was only because of offside. So how long? (laughs) What do you need to do to check offside for five minutes? I, I, I'm i really still in favor of the VAR, but they don't make it easy for guys like us.
0: Yeah, the drawing of lines in that basement can go on forever and ever and ever sometimes, and it is really painful. But, you know, lately I've heard that people say, this adds to the suspense. I like the five minutes that I'm waiting, not knowing if it's gold or not. <laughs>
1: Yeah, okay, we, we could make an extra episode on that. In the end, it should be the right decision. I'm still in favor of that. So if it takes whatever it takes, then it takes whatever it takes. But uh, of course, for an offside decision, I don't understand five minutes. So that's it.
0: That is it. And I think we're going to leave it with that. Uh, well, maybe we should mention that. Oh, Schalke, they in the relegation playoff spot once again. And behind them is now Brownstreck on eight points five points behind them and Osnabrück are now six points behind them
1: Osnabrück still with just one win in all those games and this was against HSV of course yeah
0: I mean Branching, are they having HSV coming up anytime soon
1: yeah uh, of course next next match day so after the uh, three national break yeah it's away so that's difficult but you never know you never know
0: well, what I was going to say is, is that I think, even though our, this match provided us with a lot of drama, a lot of fun, a lot of talking points, I think we actually did see the two sides that are going to get relegated in the end.
1: At least it looks like that, yeah.
0: So, Chalker, I think, is another story entirely, and we might want to talk about them two weeks from now, when Jasmine is back with us. Anyways, this is it for part one. Join us in part two, when we're going to the Grotenborg. We are, it's part two of Talking Foosball, the Ausstieg edition. Well, one lower league story that we thought was worth talking about, about KFC Erdingen. Now, Mike, for those of our listeners who haven't heard the name KFC Erdingen before, they have a glorious past, yeah, which we should mention before we start talking about their current predicament.
1: Yeah, of course. Well, if you have not heard KFC Uerding, uh it has nothing to do with Kentucky Fried Chicken, of course. It's Krefelder Fußballklub Erdingen And the club was formerly known as Bayer Erdingen so you might remember that one. And this club has a really glorious past, of course, and even won the European... Oh, no, did they won it? No, they lost the final, right?
0: They lost the final, yeah. But, but, but they I had did. this
1: magic European night when they turned a game around against Dynamo Dresden, which was really, really impressive.
0: And they won the cup, didn't they? if people Cup?
1: Yeah, they won the cup. I think even against Bayern, if I'm not mistaken. But okay, doesn't matter.
0: Friedhelm Funkel played for them.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And of course, you mentioned it, the Grotenburg. That's one thing they are famous for. So their stadium. And of course, the most famous, iconic... Thing around KFC Erdingen is the Groti Fund. <laughs> so it's their mascot, it's uh, it's an uh, elephant, and uh, for whatever reasons, they called the elephant Groti Fund because of the Grotenburg. Okay, but that's not why we are discussing that. If you wonder. Can
0: I just sidetrack you by saying that Klappach once considered to go ahead with a mascot named Bumsy. <laughs>
1: Well, St. Pauli uh, invented Zeki, oh. but this was just an April Fool's <laughs> joke. <laughs> yeah, well, Oettingen now plays in fifth tier, which is really, really hard for them, taking into account their glorious past. So it's the Oberliga Niederrhein, so even below the Regionalliga at the moment. And they are not even top of the table. They are fifth at the moment behind Sportfreunde Bamberg, Gratingen 04, Schonebeck and VFB Hilden. And even I need to admit, I have never heard of all these clubs before. So uh, it's, it's really, really dark at the, the Grotenborg at the moment. Yeah. Tough
0: plan you know, I mean, having said that, there's an explanation for that. Because, I mean, Erdingen has struggled with, I mean, this sort of club, which is not really big. Erdingen is not a big city. It, you know, it's, it's not like there's a fan base of thousands and thousands of people. It's a very small group, actually, but they do support this club wholeheartedly. So this sort of thing, <laughs> as it turns out, it... Attracts the wrong kind of people, especially in terms of the wrong kind of investor. You know, they had this guy who once brought a Eelton to the Grotenburg and all all that kind of crap.
1: Ah, uh, this was it a Russian guy? This, no, no, the guy um, before him, Ponomarev. Ponomarev.
0: Ponomarev was the guy after that. Okay, I mean, he sort of spent some money, the Russian oligarch, spent some money, brought in a lot of players. With, you know, Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2 experience. But, you know, he never did anything about the structures or the facilities or the training conditions at the club. Fired coach after coach after coach. But, you know, that, that sort of approach got them into the Dritte Liga. Where they stagnated, even though they had players like Maximilian Beister, Asani Leukemia, You know, a lot of, like, players with Bundesliga flair, even, in their squad. In the end, Pomorarov pulled out and... That really set things into motion because they got relegated from the Dritte Liga to the Regional Then they sort of went into a state of economic collapse and were relegated to the Oberliga, where they're now. And now it seems, once again, hey presto, the wrong kind of investor has arrived. Or sponsor in this case.
1: Yeah, maybe not investor, but sponsor. But yeah, the news are saying that Odingen uh, might go into bankruptcy again. They, at least they do have some really, really hard days at the moment. So rumors are saying about something like 700,000 euros and so on. And one of the reasons for that. Is that their main sponsor, Das Bob, did not pay all the rates up to now. And this, for the moment, is at least 200,000 euros of that. So, Das Bob, you might have never heard about it. it they uh, themselves say they will be the new Amazon, but just in good. And uh, yeah, I personally doubt that this is the truth and that they will have a huge success in the near future and you might think that the same happens for kfc earning
0: <laughs> i mean does bob you know they want to be the new amazon but you know more sustainable and all that kind of crap but um I mean, what they basically want to do is they want to establish some sort of website or online shop. And, you know, they've been around. I mean, that partnership was struck in April of this year. Uh, seven months later, there still isn't any online shop. If you go to the web page, there's a lot of like content and news articles and stuff about what they want to be and how they want to be it and how they're going about it. But they're not actually selling anything other than. Yeah, but
1: they do it in a good way,
0: of course. They do it in a very sustainable way. <laughs> Even have an own currency, the Bob coin.
1: Yeah, I, to be honest, a, a new company who creates online shops has their own currency or cryptocurrency. Yeah, well, what should possibly go wrong? I totally trust in them from now on. And I will not buy anything at Amazon anyhow. So. I'm just waiting for them to pop up with a new shop.
0: Well, that's all the advertising we want to give to Does Bob. We'll follow the story more closely and see how things are going to evolve for KFC Odin there. You know, they are a club with a brilliant history that has really, really fallen off on hard times. But suffice to say, I think there are a few souls in, you know, Krefeld that really do support this club wholeheartedly. And always going to do so no matter what division this team is going to play in that's correct
1: i do have one more topic right and this is related to erdingen because in the next round of the uh, local cup they do play rotweiss essen Ooh. Ooh! and this brings us back to the third league and rotweiss essen silently moved up some places
0: yeah, I mean, um, the last time we spoke about them was probably about the firing of Felix Bastians, who was their captain. Another player with a lot of Bundesliga, Bundesliga 2 experience. You know, the skipper was said to be a bad example, got the boot. And all the officials said, oh, you know, our coach has our full confidence. We want to go on with him and he's going to sort things out. And sort out he did, it turns out.
1: Obviously. So uh, I I think the last game, I'm not really sure, but I think the last two games of uh, Felix Bastian's were a 4-0 defeat in Unterhaching, followed by a 0-5 defeat against Verl at home. And this was on the 7th of October. And since then, 2-1 away win in Dortmund, 2-1 home win against Saarbrücken, 2-1 away win in Duisburg, so 3-2-1 wins in a row. And just guess the next result. Two win, home win <laughs> against Bielefeld. And on the weekend, they surprised us all because there was a 2 0 win against Mannheim. But it's five games in a row, five wins. And say hello to Rot Essen. They are now on third place.
0: They are in third place indeed. And you know, as you were absolutely right in mentioning that Bastians played those two matches. But, to be fair to him, he also played the, uh, in, in the 3-1 win over Denoma Dresden. And, uh, I mean, Essen are one of the few sites that have actually managed to beat Denoma Drizin. and Well, Essen, it's another club with a great history, great folklore. I mean, it's... A sleeping giant. Isn't, isn't Essen sure. a million people
1: city? I'm not sure about Million, but it's one of the biggest cities without a club in the first two divisions. I can't say one of the biggest without a club in the first division, because Hamburg also has no club in the first division anymore. Oh. But <laughs> definitely one of the biggest cities in Germany with no first or second division club.
0: And, you know, they do have a great history. I mean, in the 70s, they were sort of a bogey team for Bayern for a while. Uh, Zep Meyer, the goalkeeper, actually once uh, experienced to have a knife thrown at him at the Georg Melchius Stadium. You know, I mean, uh, different times. I mean, (laughs) these days, that match would have probably been just suspended. Uh, Anyways, I just Googled Essen to be sure that I was right about the size of the city. And uh, actually, I overestimated it ever so slightly. Population of Essen is 583,000.
1: Yeah, but similar similar to Bremen. Or Hanover. And uh, definitely, yeah, and, and definitely one of the bigger cities without a professional or, well... D- let's say, uh, without a DFL club, if you just take League 1 and 2.
0: Yeah, there you go. Well, if they come up, that would be certainly a great story. I would enjoy that because, uh, boy, oh boy, how they struggle to get up into the Dritte Liga because they were always the, the, the sort of side that uh, just missed out on the playoffs, you know, when they were playing in the Regional Liga. Right. I think we can cap it all off here. Yeah. Well, my. Before I let you go, please do tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and where they can find you.
1: Yeah, I, I do not do social media anymore, but I do a lot for the Milantoon and that can be found on Milantoon on uh, Blue Sky, for example. But in best case, you just follow the blog and that's on DE.
0: Great. Do that. Uh, my name is Nick Wilterling. You can follow me on X still. I post occasionally at normusings. This podcast can be followed on X as well at Talking Foosball. Do leave us a review on iTunes. Get in touch with us. Anyways, the show has been produced, as always, by our all-star producer, Aiden Rantoul. And we'll be back next week with another edition of Talking Foosball. And that time around, Matt Herman and the rest of us are going to talk about the Bundesliga once again. Until then, it is goodbye for now.